Hi everyone and welcome to episode 109 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. And we're joined again by Jared. Welcome Jared. Thanks, thanks. Are you, are you pretty excited up after TDS? Oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, loving that Kingdom Hearts announcement. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and of course Final Fantasy, I mean come what? on. This is, I thought this was a Kingdom Hearts show. Yeah. Oh really? That, that's what no. I was told. <laughs> Yeah. Wrong week, Daryl. Wrong Sorry. week. Sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm still in that TGS special episode thing. I've got that going on in my mind. <laughs> oh, so y'all y'all brought me here under false pretenses then. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but no, we will have a very quick TGS roundup. We're going to run through all the Final Fantasy 15 news from the Active Time Report and the articles that came out after TGS. Um, but it's going to be quite a quick uh, run through all that because obviously Brandon and I covered it off on the special TGS episode. After that, we're going to go move on to our feature discussion for this episode, which is pretty much going to be the bulk of it, where we're going to talk about our favorite characters. So uh, each of us are going to pick one character. Who, one character. One character to rule them all. Um, <laughs> and we basically have to try and say why this character should be... Well, why it's one of our favorite characters, basically. It's kind mm. of like us putting a case forward. Because we may not agree. Obviously, we've all picked different characters for different reasons. Mm. So it's going to be quite interesting, I think. It was really difficult. Like, when Daryl told me that we were having to uh, pick our favorite character, I was just kind of like, oh, okay. It's hard. Jared it said it was like picking one of his children. Yep. It, very, very difficult. Oh. It's tough. It is. Well, anyway, before we get onto that, I need to remind everyone who is new... And listening to this for the first time, this is a podcast that's part of Final Fantasy Union and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. So we have a new show every two weeks, basically. So one week you'll get Final Fantasy Union, and the next two weeks you'll get Kingdom Hearts Union. It comes out on the iTunes store, and this specific episode will come out on FinalFantasyUnion.com and also YouTube.com forward slash FFUnionVids. I also need to remind everyone that if you do really enjoy listening to the podcast and you do want to support us in uh, putting out more episodes and improving the quality of stuff we do, we do have a Patreon and that is on patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. At the moment, we've got a few different tiers of pledge, but essentially for $1 per episode, you get access to a special episode that we do called Please Be Excited, where it's kind of more behind the scenes stuff, where You've got a couple of the, the hosts on there and we're just talking about kind of what we've been doing in our in our day life. So um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice little perk, I think. Hmm. Uh, other perks are that you can get the episodes a, a day early. And also, if you pledge $10, then we will have a discussion based around a topic that you recommend. Hmm. So without much further ado, we're going to head right into our TGS discussion. And I know Lauren's quite pleased to get into this because her mm. finger's now bleeding because of all the news she's been posting up. Oh my God, so much news. There was so a much. lot of uh, various Square Enix properties coming out uh, all throughout the show, really. I know. It was really strange because, yeah, I remember one day... Um, well, I remember when they said that they were going to talk about Final Fantasy 15 and when the ATR was. They said it was going to be on that Saturday, September 17th. And then um, I remember I got a call from Daryl. Um, I had had my an ultrasound that day or something, like a doctor's appointment for the baby or something. And he was just like, I think they just released the Final Fantasy 15 trailer. And I was just like, what? Why? Yeah, it's quite it's quite weird how they did everything. Because obviously, even before TGS started, there was a Sony press conference. And that's when they announced Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Yeah. Which caught... caught I'd say it caught everyone by surprise, but it, it didn't because it was like massively rumored as Kingdom Hearts 2.9. Yeah, that guy on LinkedIn kind yeah. of kind of let the cat out of the bag. But yeah, as uh, uh, this isn't a Kingdom Hearts podcast, so we're going to yeah. skip over that. But <laughs> the whole point was that we weren't expecting anything really to come out until the actual time report. And then, yeah. yeah, they released that trailer a couple of days before then, and it was Dawn 2.0, which... I caught everyone by surprise a bit, and there was a bit of a mixed reception to that trailer as well. Mm. But now we're going to move on to the ATR and what kind of came out of that. So first of all, we've got we split it into two sections. So one about character development and one about additional things that were discussed. So the first thing regarding character development is that the black-haired lady now has a name. <laughs> she is now called Gentiana or Jenny or Jenny, yeah, Jenny yep. for sure. Jenny, Jenny for on sure. the block. Jenny on the block. Um, but yeah she looks really sick and we've we now know as well that she isn't luna's aide as people initially thought because she Mm. in in a lot of the artwork or she was often seen behind her 
So people thought that perhaps she was an assistant, but apparently that's not the case. Apparently she's like a special being or something. Yeah. maybe We know she's not the Leviathan, so... No. Right. What do you think about the name, Jared? Gentiana? Uh, half the time I think they just make up these names. I, I mean, I'll just start <laughs> calling her Jenny because Gentiana just sounds so weird. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, I think like a lot of it, like maybe it's a popular name in Japanese. Well, I'm wondering Gentiana. if not all of these are based in uh, Greek, maybe, because uh, some mm, of the maybe. main characters uh some of the four guys their names sound like they're probably uh roman or greek in origin so it's probably yeah, but then just you have yeah. luna freya yeah luna freya which is a bit more traditional i mean you got the freya in there which is has got the whole nordic stuff in there but mm-hmm. i don't know but i mean like so many of them are like um based off of how you speak in japanese because yeah that is true you could realistically write that out in a romanji yeah gentiana yeah gentiana yeah it probably wouldn't pr- pronounce that way, though. No, it'll be it'll be similar, though. Yeah, it would be pretty similar. But either way, I think it's pretty cool. I think she looks really awesome, and um, I'm excited to see like where her character sort of goes. We obviously don't know a lot about her, but I'm kind of happy for that because yeah, it, I think it's good. They're kind of holding back on uh, we we now have a name for her, which is fine. But we don't yeah. really know anything else about her. So the other thing that p- people were querying was why King Regis keeps getting older. Um, we, we've seen different, different versions of him and in, and in the more recent versions, he's pretty old. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Tabata explained that this is because that he's using his, basically he's losing his life to keep the magical shield about, around Lucis to protect it from the Niflheim empire, mm. which, yeah, I mean, explains the fact that it's, it's kind of sucking the life out of him basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shuts down all those people who are like oh he looks too old it's like well this is why yeah it wasn't they just changed his character design no they had a specific reason in mind i think it's pretty cool i mean like i can understand why people were confused though because they kept seeing different versions of him yeah and it was like why is he changing his is this something else they keep changing their minds (laughs) on it's almost like a a fast forward version of aragon from lord of the rings that's what i just keep thinking of because you know like he has a really, really, really long lifespan, and then Regis has a really, really itty bitty. Well, it's, it's a decent length. I mean, he's Noctis is like twenty-ish. Well, we actually don't know. That's do true. Oh actually. yeah, they could not live in uh, human lifespans, and we don't know when he became king as well. It's like true. how long? Ago. I guess yeah. I guess because it's he's been degenerating since he's been forced to use the magical barrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I kind of like the old man Regis design. I think they did pretty good on him. Yeah, I think he looks cool. I think he looks kingly. And he doesn't look like a mafia boss anymore. No. So the other thing we learned about Regis is that he used to fight quite a lot in the the past. And he was also in a four-man group. Mm. And um, he used to fight alongside Sid and General Kor, who was obviously going to be a guest party member. Mm. He was originally part of the the, the, the playable set, but they kind of took him out. Um, and he's going to be a guest character now. They didn't say who the fourth person was. No, they didn't. But a lot of people are speculating that it was Gladiolus's dad. It was really funny, though, because he really did not want to give up that that was core. He was just like, oh, no, it, it, it's a character that will be announced later. And then he just went on and was just like, oh, yeah, so Sid and core. Oh, crap, I just said Sid and core. Really? Bless him. Yeah, he talks too much. He's just so silly. He talks too much. <laughs> um, but yeah so the last point uh with regards to the character then was that luna is an oracle and uh, we now know that she can speak with the gods and so obviously the gods are pretty powerful people mm. and uh she is also in charge of trying to keep the world out of darkness light and dark similar theme right kingdom hearts <laughs> no well i mean tetsu nomura he originally was making this game so yep mm. except in this version it's more extreme obviously because luna is wearing pure white and pretty much Noctis and everyone else he knows wears pure black. It's just so silly. I just love Nomura's symbolism because it's just so silly. It's just flat out obvious. I know. <laughs> the heart is darkness. I'm just expecting Sora to just pop in. Same and here. Like, hey, Same what's here. up, guys? I'm here to fight the darkness. Well, that's weird in this one because obviously Luna isn't the bad guy. Mm. And Noctis, as far as we know, isn't the bad guy. So it's like they're juxtaposing each other, but they're both good. I almost sort of think like maybe it's a um, maybe it's a parallel between their sort of time and like how they're dealing with things. Because obviously, like Luna seems as though she's dealing with things in a very different way compared to Noctis. Because Noctis is, seems to be in grieving, 
um, which they haven't actually revealed what happens, but it's pretty obvious that, like, King Regis passes away. And it's, in the latest trailer, the Dawn 2.0, it really seems like he's grieving and that he's sad. Well, Whereas Luna Freya right? is um, very sort of determined stoic. Yeah. and stoic. And it's a much different. It's a much different thing, and she's well, guess, also praised like all over the world. I whereas the Noctis thing that, doesn't really yeah, seem Noctis like he is. is. He's obviously we we believe going to inherit the Lucis kingdom. Yeah. Whereas Luna is part of um, an empire. What she's her, where she's from has been taken over by the Niflheim Empire. Yeah. And she's kind of people are afraid of her because of the power she wields and. They've kind of given her this status where she can kind of has a she has a bit of autonomy over what she's allowed to do, but she's also kind of kept under check. But she's also very loved by the people. Yes, like people but just not the Nifalheim Empire. Not the Nifalheim Empire, no. So how do we feel about these character developments? Are you, are you pleased with what they've announced? I think it's good. I'm really excited for the Sid and Core thing. I think that that will be really cool. I loved the whole. Um, Braska, Jekt, and Arryn uh, storyline in Fall Fantasy X, and this seems very sort of reminiscent of it, so I'm excited for that. And then, of course, like Luna just seems so badass, and I really, really like um, how they're uh, developing her. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are with this is that, if anything, they're spending a lot more time fleshing out the characters than they have in previous games. That This feels like there's going to be a whole lot more to them than we've seen before the past few years. Yeah, especially with uh, even the party members, they've uh, announced that they're going to all have their own little nuances with regards to how they yeah. look. So Prompto is going to te- keep taking selfies. And uh... Ignis, um, he gets better at cooking the more you go on. And then um, Gladiolus, um, he learns fighting techniques, but he also likes collecting something. I forget yeah. what he said it was, but... They're all going to have their little things that yeah. kind of keep them quirky, basically. <laughs> so it's it's not necessarily boring. I think they've tried to do a lot with the camaraderie. Yeah. And that was one of the whole things was, as to why they wanted to be this group of guys just chilling out. But moving swiftly along into the other Final Fantasy XV news, we had a few additional pieces of information that came out afterwards. Um, and some of them were from the Active Time Report as well, the Q&A section. The first of which was that Moogles are not going to be playing a major role within Final Fantasy XV. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too bothered. I mean, I'm not. It like I can understand why people are a bit perturbed because Moogles are seen as this kind of traditional thing within Final Fantasy. But really, if you actually look at how many games they've been involved with, it's really like fifty-fifty. Yeah, yeah. And like twelve, for example, they had a big role, but they they were very much redesigned, different Moogles. They weren't the traditional Moogles that we'd see in Final Fantasy Nine, for example, mm-hmm. or Final Fantasy Thirteen too. They were like walked around and they they spoke normally. Um, obviously, they were little mechanics and stuff, but they they are they're from the Evil East universe, so they they have a much different design. Whereas, yeah, like seven, eight, ten, very minor, thirteen as well. They're they're very minor. I just think that this is like such a non-issue. I think like they probably should have just skipped this question probably in the the tokyo game show atr but i think that that was a thing i don't think that they were expecting people to be so upset about it well from what you were saying the reaction in the west has been very different to the reaction in japan whereas in japan they were just like yeah oh well (laughs) over in the west everyone there's like upcry or outcry from certain people it's crazy um there's like petitions to get them lobbied back in and Does anyone else see how almost backwards that seems, though? Because Japan's typically the country where they they want their overly cute stuff. America's not too big into that, so you think it would be Japan who would be raising a fit over it, not America, or just the Western general. um, Japan, they they really like tradition. Mm. They're they're very like that's why you know Dragon Quest is such a big franchise over there because it's so traditional. Everything is so consistent. Um, with Final Fantasy, it's not; it doesn't necessarily have that same thing. But right. you know, if something is a staple, you'd expect them to kind of be upset if it's just taken out. But then that's the thing, isn't it? It's like um, Moogles haven't really, like as we already said, they've only been fully playable or fully sort of developed characters in about half of the Final Fantasy main series. All the other games, they basically come in as a cameo. So you have um, technically Final Fantasy VII, it's still kind of a cameo because uh, Kate's Kate doll doesn't really have much of a, anything to say. Yeah. It's possessed by Kate's and then. So, and then there's Chocomog as well. 
Um, in Final Fantasy VIII, uh, you have Mini Mog, which is a summon. Um, in Final Fantasy IX, you have a lot of Moogles. Um, Final Fantasy X has Luna. Sorry, it's Lula. Lulu's Lula? Uh, Lulu. <laughs> Lulu's little doll. Too many Lu names. <laughs> yes. Final Fantasy XI. Are Moogles in Final Fantasy XI? They yeah, they be, basically yeah. they look after your house. Mm. And then Final Fantasy XII. Um, Final Fantasy XIII doesn't have any Moogles until Final Fantasy XIII too, which is a bit random. Really? I think that th- with that, it was the whole thing. Was they were trying to fix it. Yeah. Yep. They were trying to make it more Final Fantasy. Yeah. And then Final Fantasy fourteen, there's definitely Moogles. But they came in about... Well, they were technically supposed to come in at two, but they were turned into beavers. And then they were in three. And three had... Um, like a Mognet system where you could like answer uh, yeah, messages from them. Mog is in six as well as a, and a then, playable character. Um, yeah, and there's a Moogle in five as well where um, uh, I don't think that Moogle can speak actually. No, I, actually, I think Moogles were introduced in five. The only reason we have the Mognet in three is because of the uh, DS remake that came out several years ago. Until then, I'm pretty sure, though, that five was when Moogles were introduced. Good point, good point. Either way, though, like it, they they haven't really been that big. Right, of they're not integral. Characters. They're, they're not. They're never integral to anything. No. They're just kind of small they're little side knickknacks that just kind of do their thing. So it's like if they if they were integral to the score story, I'd say sure, keep them in. But if they're not, then keep them as a cameo. Like I mean, we've already kind of had a cameo with uh, Cindy's um, little plush toy that she has in her truck. Yeah. Like you know, just keep it at that, or have a Moogle costume for Nantes yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So um, the other thing was that um, again, stuff that he probably shouldn't have been talking about was that someone asked about Gilgamesh, and because really Gilgamesh would actually be pretty appropriate for this universe mm. with the whole mass weapon wielding stuff going on and they've said that gilgamesh isn't going to be part of the main game but could be included as dlc Hmm. but he's also announced that because gilgamesh isn't in he's going to be replaced by someone else of a similar theme let's say well we would think so could be an original Some one. people are like thinking Ravana, maybe, which would be pretty sick. That's from uh, Final Fantasy I guess Fantasy it depends what they do 14. with Gilgamesh, because Gilgamesh sometimes comes in as the super boss wielding mm. multiple weapons. Sometimes he's a summon. Yeah. Sometimes he's a normal character, like in 9 or um, 11. Like, just because it's Gilgamesh, everyone instantly thinks that it's going to be the Final Fantasy V version or Type-0. He wasn't actually in Final Fantasy X, really, was he? I don't think he was. Uh, no. No, and I think in 13... I think they sort of mention him. I think there's something in it where it's like his weapon or something. But other than that, I don't think that he's in it. No, in 13, he's the name of the shop, right? Yeah. Yes. That's the same. And then they put him him into 13 too as DLC. I mean, honestly, the only reason why I would be excited for Gilgamesh to be in 15 is so I could just hear another crazy arrangement of uh, Gilgamesh's (laughs) theme kind of like in the 13 2 DLC. That's why everyone likes it. Battle on the Big Bridge. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. And the one in Final Fantasy thirteen too is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he came as a DLC, I'm perfectly happy with that if they did that. Yeah. But I it's not necessary for me to like Final Fantasy fifteen. No. Right. It's it's a nice it's a nice they're all nice to haves. It's not it's they're not necessary. No. Well we're not the judges of where it's necessary or not Tabata is. <laughs> yeah. He knows. I am excited to see what, what else he has in store, though. Um, the other news that came out is that there isn't going to be a massive amount of summons. So, again, this kind of got people riled up a little bit because everyone loves their summons. They're very traditional to Final Fantasy. Um, but, again, people are making weird assertions that Final, Fa- Final Fantasy games usually have tons of summons. But Not they, at all. they really don't. Like, Final Fantasy X has got, what, like, seven? Mm. There's... And obviously, thirteen has only got six. Yeah, I think what it is everyone goes back to Final Fantasy six to where you had like twenty summons or whatever. There's never been that many in a game since then. It's always seven been- had a couple. Eight obviously had eight quite had a, a few. lot. Um, nine had like the basic sort of usual ones, and then obviously um, with thirteen you had the Eidolons. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't really see you know much of a big deal about that. I mean, like the ones that we've saw already, like they're really Titan, cool. Ramu. Like yeah. Titan and Ramu, uh, Ramu and the episode Dusk Guy. I mean, the fact that like the music gets so interesting and cool when he comes in and that kind of stuff. That 
is a summon. That mm-hmm. is a summon. So if it's if it's like a small amount of those kind of summons and those kind of experiences, I am perfectly content with that. So my thought on this is that actually in the previous games, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, summons have never really been integral to the plot that much. They've always been kind of like, especially like seven, they're just materia. Yeah. Eight, they actually kind of got a little bit woven in with the story. Obviously, like Odin gets killed and um, that stuff. The whole Bahamut-like um, section... Oh, that's scary. I, I believe eight through ten are the only times summons were really that important, or that they were just a little icing on the cake. Yeah, obviously nine they were actually involved mm-hmm. in the story, but they, none of them had. They were just something that people just called. Whereas in thirty, uh, sorry, fifteen, it sounds as though they're actually going to be integral to the plot. Like they're going to have personalities. That like the way he's talking about Leviathan is, it's like it's a character. So it doesn't make sense for them to have fifteen summons because then he's got to write fifteen characters. Yep. All who are supposed to be like domineering, like super beings, which would make the rest of the cast a bit redundant. So, like, if they're only going to have five summons, but they're going to be five amazing summons who are really, really integral to the plot and have a massive presence, I'm more than happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, I am too. I mean, honestly, the, the only time you're going to hear me complain about summons is if they don't throw in Alexander, just because that's like my favorite summon. Other than that, I mean, Throw in as few or as many as you want. <laughs> I do wonder what the other ones are going to be. Yeah, I'm kind of excited I to think, see what they like, reveal. Shiva to be. has to be one of them, doesn't she? Well, I mean, like, if there's only five, you'd, you'd think that it would be Shiva and Ifrit as the other two, but then you, you're cutting out Bahamut. Yeah, it's true. Bahamut would be a good one. But I think that Bahamut might be a bad guy. Might be. Because they do mix Bahamut up. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. I think that would be interesting if Bahamut was in it. But he is like the most popular character. But based off of the... So essentially they've said that the three that they've announced so far are are visible in the Genesis poster. They're on the right-hand side. On the left-hand side, there are two other people who are kind of on a similar keel. One of which looks quite devilish. So Diabolos, potentially. Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if they're going to have personalities, like Diablos is usually a bit of a like a trickster devil kind of thing. He's a jerk. <laughs> and it would be quite interesting if they gave him that personality of like a someone who's going to kind of try and steer you down the wrong path. Just as long as he doesn't give me another freaking lamp that I have to open up and then find out, yeah. oh God, I'm getting my ass handed to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still remember the first time I did that. I like opened Oh, what's up this in my inventory? I was just like, oh, this is cute. Well, Final Fantasy VIII was my first Final Fantasy. And I was just like, ooh, a magic lamp. Maybe I'll get a genie. And I rubbed oh, it. Oh, you got a genie. I got right. a genie. Yeah, I got, I got my ass handed to it, me. It wasn't, so don't it trust wasn't the magic happy lamps. big blue genie we all know and love. No. No, no, no this it was wasn't. a black and red creepy looking Demon thing. thing. Yeah. Not yeah, fun. so, I mean, overall, um, with the TGS Final Fantasy XV stuff, were you happy? Yeah. I am. I mean, it was a bit lackluster, to be honest. Yeah. Like, um... I think it's because they had so many active time reports, and there's been a, b- a few people grumbling about this, um, the fact that they had an active time report at Gamescom, then another one at PAX Prime, then another one at TGS, and really, the stuff that they announced was kind of... It wasn't really announcements. It was like, here's what's not going to be in it. Here's... Well, this one, the next, next one we're going to announce... When we're going to announce the release date. Yeah. Which is going to be exactly the same time period you thought it was going to be. Thanks. I think they're just really trying to work it out because, I mean, this is the first time that they've really been so dedicated to the fans, which is why, like, when people say that they're really bad at their marketing job, I mean, granted, they're they're doing one something that, like, no other companies or no other uh, sort of directors in Final Fantasy has done yeah really. i mean like, western companies typically have podcasts where they yeah. talk about stuff but i don't think anyone else really does something like this was an active time report i think they also just want to get to know the community as well because they're doing a lot of stuff oh they're with getting the to know the community all right well, yeah they are <laughs> but i mean like they're doing stuff with um like people at events like i i keep seeing people getting pictures taken with tabata and he's really trying to get sort of going like getting his face get his face out there and that sort of thing get people to... he's, he's gonna he's definitely fronting up mm. if it's if this doesn't work out that's gonna be there's gonna be no 
qualms as to who's to blame. Oh, yeah. I know, which is really a shame. But he's confident. I mean, yeah. you, you've got to respect the confidence. He's putting himself in this position so, because he's confident so. it's going to succeed. And if it does succeed, then he's got a massive platform to go on and push on to do whatever he wants. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing, though. I, re- I really am getting quite tired of seeing like all the negativity surrounding it. And I, I think that, in a way, we're putting too much expectations on... It's just the whole thing where, because it's been 10 years in development, and a lot of people had certain ideas about the story, and in the last year, that story has completely changed, that the game's gone, it's different lore, There's still light and dark. I mean, just considering how long we've had to wait for this game to come out, it kind of, it really does deserve the criticism and the cynicism it's getting. They, really, this game should have been out years ago. To be fair, though, it's not Tapata's fault. Like, that's the thing. I think the, the it's not, hatred... It's not, but he's the one that's made himself... He's, he's the messenger. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're shooting him, and I just don't think it's fair. It's Nomura who is the person who was out for, it's, like, eight but years. it's just, you know, I'm going to make a really annoying analogy here, but it's no different from a, a sports manager. Like, if you're a manager of a sports team who's doing terribly, you know, everyone always says, like, those kind of jobs are poison chalices because you've basically got to come in and you've got to turn things around mm. with your entire fan base hating you. <laughs> and morale is already down. But if you can turn it around, you can seriously reap the rewards. It's like FDR, isn't it? During the Great Depression. If you if you can turn it around, like essentially Tabata has he he's working as the savior of Final Fantasy because so many yeah. people believe that if fifteen bombs, Final Fantasy's dead. Like, Pretty much. It's pressure. It's a lot of yeah. pressure there. It is. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone doubts that Tapata. He's doing a great job. He's working hard. It's just that people are still angry at Square Enix, the corporation, for dragging their feet mm. and taking so long for this product. And yeah. that anger is just going to be directed towards him because he's putting himself in the spotlight. And I would say that in the last Act of Time report, he's, I mean, his last three months, he's talked too much. Yes. I mean, yeah. the fact yes. that he, he, he leaked the. I mean, he openly admitted that he leaked the announce win- the re- the release window before he was supposed to. So that caused problems because then they had to try and reschedule what they were going to talk about at PAX Prime, which they didn't really know what to do. Uh, and then they ended up just saying, well, he's announced it's going to be in 2016. And then a month later saying, it's still going to be 2016. Uh, we're going to announce more next year. Then you've got all these Q&A sessions that are being screened by Square Enix, apparently. But then he ends up just saying... Here's not here's what you don't want to hear. That's that. I mean, that's terrible marketing. Mm. Yeah. Like, surely they know that people would get pissed off if you start saying, especially after Stella, that oh, here's something else we're not going to pin. Here's something else well. we're not going to pin. But then that's the thing as well. I wasn't really, and maybe I'm just weird, but I wasn't really expecting such negativity about Stella. And about Moogles. I just don't find those things very you, important. You, you have to appreciate. I mean, I, I've seen this from obviously running the site and seeing what, what characters on the site get visited. Noctis and Stella were huge characters. It, it, it's really difficult to understand why. But, you know, remember our character battles. Noctis would win our character battles. I don't even understand. Though he's a character yeah, I, I still exist. don't understand that I myself. I don't see how they got so popular when we knew so little about them. Exactly. It's, it's because, A... People, even before 13 came out, people thought the Versus was going to be a better game. They liked the characters more. They liked the premise more. They liked the fact that it was Stella and Noctis. When 13 came out, people were just like, they saw Versus 13 as the savior. This game can revitalize the franchise because the last two haven't been that great. And as the 13 franchise has gone on, that's got worse and worse and worse. Also probably because people were... There was a lot of people who were disappointed with 13 as well. So everybody was sort of thinking, oh, well, we still have versus 13. That's what I just said. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) Right? I suppose. I don't know. But yeah, so I mean, essentially, those two characters were very, very popular despite not existing because people have had so long to come up with their own, in their imaginations, they've come up with what these characters are going to be like, how amazing they're going to be, what the story is going to be like. I just don't get that connected. And unfortunately, I think because everyone's created such a high expectation of this, we're going to end up getting Mm -hmm. a lot of disappointed fans just because we've allowed this to stew in our minds for so long. But that's why, that's part of the reason why I don't get that connected to characters when it's in the initial development. Like, I try to... Well, typically a character doesn't change. Well, you never know. That we know of. 
that we know of. Like this is the thing. Like it's the it's the first time that we've had a Final Fantasy that was in development like, and so, so like focused on. To do a weird comparison, it would be like they announced Uncharted Four. They announced who the antagonist or one of the supporting cast is going to be. Like let's say they've announced that Nathan Drake's brother is going to be in it. If six months after they announced that he was going to be in it, they said and he said, "Nah, he's cut." But then that's it would the thing. be it would be really strange. But then they were never planning on Nomura not have not being able to no it was terribly through. managed in, internally yeah yeah i'm not so disputing not, that yeah but that's the comparison i'm making if if suddenly so you've announced troy baker's because i'm sure stella had voice acting done in japanese like there there were trailers where she's yeah announced there's a whole her. scene so yeah let's say you've got uncharted 4 troy baker's been announced as uh nathan drake's brother uh, they've done the initial cutscenes, um, the, the, all the reveals. Everyone's super excited to experience this new character, and then he gets cut. Although or they do he gets it changed. in films all the time. Yes. If you think about like, how is that different? And the, the thing is, is that most because the, the character time, doesn't change in films. It's the actor that does. No, the character gets completely cut. Rogue got cut from uh, X Men. Oh, what was it? Days of Future. Yeah, Past. they actually filmed she her and then cut her. She wasn't announced as a main character. She was announced as one of the characters, and Jubilee has been cut from every single one. Oh, yeah. Okay, it would be a, it would be like them announcing Wolverine as being one of the, one of the cast members of the new X Men film, and then actually about yeah, like halfway through this cycle, they decide now nah, Wolverine's cut because like Rogue isn't a major X Men character. She's a character. She that's is a very character, beloved. but she's not. She's not Wolverine. She's a character. She's not that's Xavier. She's not Cyclops. And then Gambit as well has been announced. He's for like a side character. Them. But then they—they're very loved characters. Yeah. I know. But the point with versus thirteen is we only knew about two characters. Yes. And we also knew about Ignis, except they was called like Shotgun Guy and like well, it was Prompto. Like they, we knew what they visually looked like, but we knew nothing else. We just knew these two characters, and one of them got cut. <laughs> Yeah. What I would say is that what they've done with Luna since then has actually... I've seen less and less negativity around that. People have kind of accepted Luna. There are still people that are a bit annoyed about Stella, but I think the job they've done with Luna, that's good marketing. They've allayed fears, I believe. Well, that's fine. But I still I still fail to see... Um, I, I still fail to feel the same feelings as as the people who are very upset over Stella. You have I, no empathy. Yeah, I have no empathy over fictional characters who do not exist. Sorry. You're ruining our next section. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. In that case, yeah, I do. But the, they actually exist, these favorite ones. They actually exist and they have Well, Stella did game. to a degree. Yeah, but she didn't make it to the final cut. Yeah. No, she didn't make so it. She, she, didn't, she didn't make it. But she still will... For forever, she will forever be in our minds. If you go on Wikia, there is there is a section for Stella. There is some backstory there. It is just so funny though, because I can't stop but think about a streetcar named Desire. And I hate that comparison to no end because that is one of the worst stories I ever had to read. (laughs) Oh my gosh, some of the Stella. I mean, let's be honest here. We think of uh, Stella in the Final Fantasy series like she seemed like she was going to be this really important, really strong character. And then you take Streetcar Named Desire, and all the women in there are horribly <laughs> weak, horribly portrayed characters. They could have mm. not came up with the worst name for a character that got <laughs> cut. And she got cut. Irony of that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which is why all of my news stories had Stella yeah. attached yes, to it. Yes, they did. Uh, I'm going to have to... We went on a massive segue there. Sorry. This was, this was not supposed to happen. It needed to but, happen. Um, all my fault. There, there is one more piece of news we need to announce before we go on to our main segment. And that is relating to Agato. So this caught everyone a bit by surprise. Uh, again, before TGS, Square Enix like posted out a teaser to say that Agato was being reborn. <laughs> no one really knew what the hell that meant. <laughs> but essentially, what's happened is that Final Fantasy Agato, which was the mobile game released in Japan that we were told was going to be localized, is actually dying as of November. So we're clearly not getting a localized version of that because it's not going to exist anymore. Um, Final Fantasy Agato Plus, which is the PS Vita version of Agato, that was going to be a free-to-play Vita game that was going to have enhancements on it, that's been cancelled. So that's a bit strange because essentially, what's we haven't had official confirmation yet. But back at the start of the year, they said that they were struggling with the port from phones to Vita, mm-hmm. and there was a bug that they needed Sony's help to fix. And I guess Sony didn't help. They did talk about it at um, at TGS. 
the, they talked a bit about they talked a bit about the fact that like they basically came across an error that made the game like unplayable and then they weren't able to actually like service it or upgrade it the way that they wanted to and like yeah, they so weren't Sony, able to Sony didn't help yeah basically yeah and honestly one a few months well I think it was like a year ago when they did talk about that bug and how it was getting in the way I kind of had an idea from the start that that would probably have killed it just mm. just because yeah. of how software works it's just yeah. a bit strange because yeah so like last e3 no 2014 they do this whole big thing saying ag is coming over it's going to be amazing you're going to get localized you're going to experience this story it's going to complement type zero and then they cancel two versions of the game that we could potentially have got and now they've replaced them with final fantasy type zero online so both of those were agate they've now been replaced by a type zero game rebrand strange and it's being developed by a third party called Perfect World, who actually have a, a pretty good record when it comes to free-to-play games on PC. I think that's just the thing. I think it was just, uh, like, from what they were saying, it was just a game that was built wrong. It was, like, it had problems with it already. Like, Agido. Those like, Tabata naysayers are going to jump all over this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he was just like, it's, so um, that's obvious why, like, they they've called in a third party now and are just kind of like they basically us. just didn't want to manage it yet like it's it's just a, an annoying thing on the side that they thought was going to be probably quite an easy port mm. um and they probably thought it was going to be quite an easy uh, localization and it doesn't turn out that way no. to the point where now they've retracted on pretty much everything they've said we've now got type zero online which is going to be developed specifically for the asian markets and a western version is quote unquote under consideration no 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 they actually did say they said that they're they're planning on releasing it in the west it's just a matter of when so they're going to release it in we're they're going to release it in japan around like springtime summertime well, this that's year, weird so was that from the active time report that's from the active time report because yeah square enix's official pr spin was that it was under consideration hmm. it really seemed like top well maybe maybe tabata was um I don't know because it was it was I th- I in think, the. I think ca- they were just being trying captions. to be cautious because obviously either way the, the type franchise hasn't been good for localization. No, not necessarily, but um, they did say they did say that it's going to come over eventually. Essentially, what they're going to do is they're going to use pretty much the same sort of thing that they did for the Type Zero original PSP version, the multiplayer. Um, and this is just going from the active time report. Um, and Tabata said that they are basically making an upgraded version of that. So it's not going to be like Agido. It's going to be an upgraded version. But I don't know how they're going to work with the story then. Online. Because obviously now it's going to be... I don't think... I, I honestly don't know how the multiplayer works in Agito. Um, no. But uh, yeah, I don't know how it's going to work. Because obviously Agito has its own story that's completely separate to Type Zero. It's just kind of like a similar... Parallel universe kind of thing. From what I understood, it seemed like it was just like a mission-based sort of thing, and you created your own character. That was sort of the appeal about it was that you created your own Type Zero character, and then you got to see like all the characters from Type Zero hmm. at school and stuff. But I mean, either way, it it I'm hopeful. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not big on sort of these kind of iOS games. But, yeah, I, I couldn't yeah. help but roll my eyes when they said it was coming out on iOS. It's coming to PC yeah, as well. Which, which well, is that's good, what it was on originally. I, I, I get why they like to... I understand the mentality behind porting things to iOS, but all these new games they put on iOS, I'm like, my gosh, the controls are hard enough on the ports. I think it's just a difference in culture, to be honest. I yeah, think I, I Japanese think it is, yeah. people... I mean, like, the fact that they have one... Wasn't it, like, one phone that, like, has a game on it? Yes, th- there was like a special just, phone they, they for... they released phones with games or something. Yeah, th- there was a Final Fantasy VII prequel that can only be played on a specific model of a phone that was released only in Japan. Yeah, before Crisis. And then, like, recoded um, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. played on certain phones. It's Dokomo, wasn't it? Yeah. And then now, iOS, they're just like, all right, well, we'll just use iOS. And then Android, Android as well. Yeah. And this was coming out on Windows Phone too. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's our news. I'm going to cut us off there because we still have our... <laughs> Big feature to go through. Uh, yeah. So, on the subject of characters, we have decided that since the Final Fantasy IX episode was so well received, we actually want to do a, a few more of that kind of thing. And I'm very sorry for the fact that we've just spent about half an hour going through news. Guys. <laughs> hey, you got to speak all about TGS. We have to get their, our feelings it's out. Yes. True, it's true. So, on that <laughs> note um basically each of us are going to run through who uh one of our favorite characters is and we're going to say why 
And then we're going to have a bit of a discussion for each of those characters to say how we felt about that character. So, Jared, you're up first. Who is one of your favorite characters? It could also be your favorite character of all time. Okay, well, like we said before, that's like choosing between my kids. I can't do that. So one of my favorite characters is Zack from Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. And, uh, yeah, what what can you not say about Zack? He is like the coolest character in the Seven franchise. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just fanboying over here. I don't know what to say. I'm just so... Gushing. Yes, gushing. Aww. I don't need to gush. It's that, it's that, it's that black hair, the Buster Sword, his, his outfit, everything. Uh, everything. It's amazing. Everything. His hero vibe. Well, no. Um, he does have that hero vibe. It, it's one thing that actually always uh, confused me slightly because Zack and Snow have a very similar demeanors. They do. Snow's a bit more annoying. It's just that Zack pulls it off a lot better. It's true. He actually um, does do stuff. Mm-hmm. No, well. Well, the thing that I always loved about Zack was that when you first play him in um, Crisis Core, at first he's just kind of like this bright-eyed kid who's got dreams to be a hero. But as it goes on, they just did a really good job of his character growing and developing uh, to where even though he still has that uh, childishness about him, he, it gets to where you know he knows how to make the tough calls. Uh, he becomes a person to where even when his very own people are against him, he'll still stand up for what is right. But even all his seriousness, you know, he'll still leave you laughing at how he just can't help himself, but he's got to ask some girl out on a date, or he's he's got to do his squats as well, yeah. or yeah, he's um, getting into the he's getting into trouble with the Turks. You know, he's he's always getting into some kind of mess, and he looks after Baby Cloud. Yeah, oh, Cloud was useless. Bless him. <laughs> he was <laughs> useless. He, I mean, on one hand, it shows what a great friend Zach is, but at the same time, he had to drag Cloud's drugged bum like halfway across the world and then he dies and you know cloud wakes up right when he dies it's like oh i could use your mm. help a lot sooner say <laughs> so, how were you pretty much affected by the ending of crisis call then uh there were tears because actually Aww. this is actually funny on my end because even though i knew that uh zach was supposed to die i had so much fun playing the game i totally forgot that the game could only end one way so, you know, right when you get to that final level, I'm like, oh, crap, I, I totally forgot about this. I mean, of course, you know, they yeah. make it all the worse because you see as he's dying and Geo picks him up and uh, Zach is talking about how he wants those wings. And he asks, hey, do you think I became a hero? You know, just poking you in the heart, in the feels. I guess it's one of the things about narratives, though, that's really interesting is that like it's the same with like Romeo and Juliet. You know that they're going to die at the end. You know that that's that's what happens. You know in Crisis Core that Zack is going to die. But yet, if the narrative is good enough, you forget about it. And then when it comes, it's also it about like, how it's written too. Because, I mean, like, everyone absolutely hops on Avatar. But Avatar's, it has like the right set moments that mm. just trigger the right emotional responses. Where even though you know it sucks... Like you still feel some kind of weird emotional this reaction. This is Avatar, James Cameron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's like that thing, isn't it? Not like, that I'm we've comparing all... Crisis called Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> we've heard we've heard so many stories that have been pretty much the same sort of thing. I mean, like majority of the superhero movies are pretty much the same sort of format. Like superhero uh, discovers that he has powers, but he's a bit awkward with them at first, and then he has um, a life-changing moment that sets him off. And um, I'm watching too many theory videos. <laughs> like it, it, well, it is. Everything is a remix, but if it's done right, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, well, what Crisis Core did that was uh, so different with telling Zach's story is that it was. They would actually tell parts of his story in the middle of battles. Like, I don't know if y'all remember, but each time you're in a battle, there's that mm-hmm. uh, roulette wheel that spins. And if yeah. it matches up with the same faces, you're treated to a cutscene with that character and Zach talking. And there could be like five scenes per character, and there's like ten characters on that dial. And that's where like half the storytelling and character development came from. You got to see how he yeah. interacted with the Turks. You got to see how he interacted with Sephiroth, with uh, Angeal. And that's where you would Genesis. see different sides of Zack you wouldn't see in the rest of the game. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I mean, for me, the ending was a bit strange. Uh, I, most of the people I know that have played Crisis Core, so they bored their eyes out the ending. But I I didn't because I was just annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did. If only because like the the ending cutscene was really well done. I thought I guess, that the I, I guess I was so with the whole thing at the ending is that you can't win. Right. Mm. That you can't win that fight. But I was pretty pretty overpowered. So I was fighting for a good 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, so I re- I really there's nothing I can do. And then I was just I just had to let myself die. It wasn't it would have been much better if they made it so you couldn't win because you got overpowered mm. whereas there was no way i was ever going to lose so when you're i just gonna keep on fighting yeah so when i lost it was because i just gave up which was just annoying yeah mm. it, it, it didn't have that same kind of feel for me it, that the way that they did that last battle kind of just ruined the moment for me a bit like if they'd have made it so the enemies just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and then you were then you were forced to lose because you actually lost mm-hmm. or if they just pulled a demon souls type thing where if you get past the first enemy then you just die <laughs> you yeah. just get punched by a dragon yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that that would have been much better but because of the fact that i just there was no chance that i was ever going to die when i when i realized that and i was just like okay i've got to let myself die it was more of a kind of resigned thing yeah that is a bit strange when i uh, first played it because up to this point i hadn't played the original seven i had only seen the movie so even during this final fight i forgot that i was supposed to die but as you keep fighting it gets to where zach he starts moving a little more sluggish and where like he's having to drag his weapon and when it got to that was when i kind of realized oh no i have to die so for for me, and plus the fact that that wheel is spinning and showing you huge montages of each character he's come in contact with, that for for me that was a really impactful moment. Probably didn't have that. I was also playing on a train, <laughs> so I was like on my way to work. <laughs> yeah, that probably doesn't. Yeah, but it just kind of it kind of shows you like the situation you're in can kind of change how you view certain moments. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lauren, it's your turn. <sighs> you're up. People are really not going to like this. I, I think this is a good choice. This is out of the fact that like I had to choose. And this character, I don't know. For me, he really does speak to me. And I really, really, really enjoy his character a lot. And I do actually enjoy his voice actor as well. He speaks to you through laughter. He speaks <laughs> to me through laughter. <laughs> we should give you a hint. I chose Titus from Final Fantasy X. Or Titus, if you No. Know. <laughs> I chose him from the first game, if only because I just really, really enjoyed his story. Um, you start off, you're this really sort of robust, immature person, you know, which is how I was when I was playing the game, to be fair. I, I, I was think pretty young. Also, it's it's one of the few games where you start off ignorant of everything. Yes. Yeah. And that, that it made sense as well, because like, you were learning about everything within... Um, Spira with Titus and you were just sort of learning with him which is a bit like um, like some other stories that we've heard like you know but none of the other Final Fantasy games like that they've all got their they're mm. all, already already ingrained mm-hmm. yeah they've already like sorry it's eight they've they, they all it know all. each other and they yeah so like yeah with, with with 10 it was the fact that Titus got taken out of that yeah I got taken out of his world into a completely different one or other world. <laughs> and throughout the story, I just think that he has such a natural growth. It doesn't happen immediately. It's not like hope in Final Fantasy thirteen where he just immediately is just like, Oh, I'm gonna be all noble and nice now. No, it actually does gradually builds and um the turning point is when he figures out that Yuna's gonna die. And um, the saddest bit about it is that, like, throughout the story, he constantly feels alone and that he's not a part of the group. And then his reaction to Yuna dying just makes him even more alone. But at least Riku's there. and um, But, like, you always feel that sort of loneliness and it sort of makes you feel... It makes you feel for him because he really, really cares about Yuna if only because she's the only one who genuinely believes him and she's the only one who like just gave him the benefit of the doubt and she's, it's, it's weird because in a way she kind of acts like his mom yeah, like she does. She, she's she's always trying to protect him mm. and i just really enjoyed his growth and i i bawled so much at the i'm end. actually just like even thinking about it i'm i'm actually starting to get to, to, to feel my my uh, i was just getting a little bit emotional same here Aww. stop it lauren stop it it's, it's just because, like, I think I, I was just, 
so the thing for me is that once um t- they realize how they're going to beat a sin yeah it's like it does a role reversal so the whole way through everyone is completely ignorant though titus is completely ignorant about what's going on and everyone else knows they just don't tell him and then as soon as they figure out how they're going to beat sin it goes the other way around mm. like Titus, he figures out that yeah, he's a dream. Titus knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to die. Mm. But no one else, no one else thinks about that at all. And he keeps that to himself. And I, I can't think of another character within the franchise who is so selfless. Mm. Because throughout the whole thing, he's just, he always has a really good upbeat attitude. He's always trying to help. He's always trying to do the best he can. And then even at that stage, he's willing to basically kill himself. Mm-hmm. So that unit doesn't have to die. Something mm. about uh, Titus, at least with his relationships, I love so much about the game was actually the relationship with his dad. And this, this goes mm. back to, you know, the whole parts that make that want to make it weepy. But it's when you get to the end of the game and Titus sees his dad and you're expecting there's going to be this heartwarming moment to where they kind of reconcile. And instead, Titus just starts crying. And he says, I hate you. And, you know, Jack, he just kind of mm. smiles and he says, I know yeah. son, it's okay. It's like a, it's like a weird reconciliation, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's yeah. like then when he's dying in Titus's arms, you know, instead of comforting him, he can't bring himself to do it, so he just kind of pokes fun at the fact he's crying. And I'm like, this is some really sad crap going on here. Yeah, yeah, it's just like the whole thing because obviously Titus has this warped view of his dad. Yeah, and then he learns that actually his dad, he pulled, he turned his life around, but he didn't know because mm-hmm. obviously when Jex arrived in Spirit too, he was a complete jackass. And he was like a drunkard. And then, you know, he he essentially kind of set, he he killed himself again. He he did the same thing as Titus did. Mm-hmm. And I think when he learns about that, it changes his opinion. But it, obviously the old wounds haven't healed. Then there was also like um, there was a, a, a flashback that you saw where you saw how um, Titus originally thought that um, his parents interacted with him. Like when Titus is like asking um his mom for some attention um she says like one minute one minute dear or something like that and um in initially you think uh, he thinks it's it's because of jack that she's just so infatuated with jack that like it's all his fault and then it turns around and then you figure out that jack is actually saying to titus's mom like why don't you just go to him like he obviously he wants your he wants your attention and you know he'll cry if you don't if you don't go to him and she just ignores the fact that cry 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 yep <laughs> i know she just ignores that but that just makes titus resent yeah because it wasn't so much it wasn't like it's really weird it wasn't jack's fault that his wife was infatuated with him no. more than his her son yeah he's just such an awesome guy you know? <laughs> which is really a shame but yeah no i i definitely I definitely really like Titus. I still love Titus. Like I still love playing Final Fantasy X because uh, a lot of because of Titus's story. And um, also I just the fact think... that it's not just his story. Like he he's the main character, but he's not. Mm. Like he Yuna is very much a, a main character in that game too, and each of the other characters supplements and supports in a really good way. And the way that they all interact with each other because they're all always there. Yeah, really, it's just that Titus is like the narrator of the story. Mm. Yeah, it's his story. Mm, it's his story. <laughs> My story. But yeah, no, and I, I, I like his, um, I like his weapons. I like his limit breaks. I think he's just really cool. And the, his, like, I mean, even the relationship he has with Seymour. And uh, they just hate each other. God, I hate yeah. Seymour. Like, even from the most first moment that Titus met Seymour, everyone else is like, oh, he's a maester, he's cool. And Titus is like, I just hate that guy. I don't trust that guy. No. <laughs> no. Nope. Ne- ne- never Not trust a guy bit. with that kind of hair. Yeah, no. You just know something's bad yep. going to happen. Uh, yeah. And that music as well, you were just like, mm, this guy's up to no good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so my choice is Titus. And yes, I will take James Arnold Taylor for everything. Jat. Jat. Yep. So, so, my turn now. Yes. I was thinking about this, actually, because when when I posed the question to myself, for some reason, the first character I thought of was Cloud. And then I was thinking, but but why? <laughs> and it it kind of made me start thinking about, like, the weird kind of um, subconscious way that th- things affect you in that, you know, we always talk about first game syndrome. And everyone loves Final Fantasy VII to obsessive levels. 
And a lot of people now are starting to say, well, actually, it wasn't that good. Uh, but Cloud is... If Final Fantasy VII is one of the best games of all time, Cloud is one of the most recognized protagonists of, of all time, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, There's no way that anyone's more popular than Cloud within the Final Fantasy universe. Sephiroth is the only one that really rivals, and Lightning, they're trying their best to uh, to push her up to that to that level. But then I was thinking, like Cloud, he's he's not really that. He's pretty crap as a as a person. <laughs> so yeah, outside of that, then I was thinking, okay, so out of the the lead protagonist, let's say, who else actually does a really good job? And obviously, Lightning kind of popped in. You know, she she has a pretty good uh, pretty good run throughout the thirteen series. And but then I was thinking, well, what about Cecil? So Cecil. To, he's, he's one of the few main characters that have actually changed his job. He goes through a massive transition. Not, I mean, it's you know, it's it's not quite on hope proportions, but uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that he changes from a, a, a dark knight to a pardon. He's one of the ones where really we talked about the fact that Titus goes completely into an alien world. He's one where he was already in a completely developed world, probably way more than anyone else has in of the other protagonists. You know, he's like one of the main captains within the army that he's within. I think he was the first um, character to actually have any kind of strong military rank as well. It's a good little tidbit. Um, and he essentially has to turn his back on everything that he's known and turn his back on his friends because he just feels that they're doing the wrong thing. And the fact that then he, you know, he goes from being a dark knight, which is obviously a very sinister job, uh, to being a paladin, like is a really big affirming character switch. But also, yeah, you've got the relationships that he has with people like Kane and Golbez. Uh, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of deep-rooted uh, aspects to Cecil, and obviously that's why they decided to to do a sequel to it. Hmm. Thoughts, guys? I actually am a big fan of Cecil. Also, uh, this was, I'll say, probably one of the first handful of Final Fantasy games I played, and what I loved so much about it was that really Cecil is a tale of redemption. Because I mean, just like you said, he goes from a dark knight to a paladin. He goes from someone who's committed all these atrocities to where he becomes a selfless hero. And, uh, I also like what you said with, uh, his relationship with Kane. That was a really powerful part of the whole story and just his character development because while Kane ends up betraying him, there's kind of like the whole Kane and Abel dynamic there going on. You know, he's called Kane for a reason. Yeah. And, but, uh, yeah, Cecil, he, he was one of the, I don't know, I would say one of the first characters in the series where he just went through a huge, uh, dynamic character growth yeah and also you know you mentioned kane but the Golbez the Golbez, uh plot twist that that's pretty that's pretty hard yeah, i never got to the final boss so <laughs> well essentially Golbez is uh cecil's brother ah okay so yeah like the whole point the whole way through like Golbez is this really evil horrible person even in like the city of Golbez is the bad guy from four um and it turns out that he's kind of he's yeah he's uh, cecil's brother so it's they the way they wove the relationships in. I mean, like, because I think from what I was um, just, I looked up some trivia, and Cecil is, I think he's the only main character to have children. <laughs> like, he's actually got a family, uh, and like Rosa is a very big part of the mm-hmm. story as well. Like, it's all about kind of, it, it, it's basically is Cecil. Like, it's one of the ones where it really is Cecil's story, and it, it focuses on yeah, as you said, it's his it's his complete turnaround, his path to redemption, and how all the other people that he knows are part of that interwoven kind of spider web of, of uh, redemption and, and, and how they've affected him throughout his yeah, life. Actually, since you mentioned uh, he has a family, I thought it was also interesting how in four, he more or less kind of takes in Rydia. And for the people who may have not played the game, uh, Cecil indirectly kills this young girl's mother and the girl hates him, but he kind of knows, Hey, this is my responsibility. Now I have to help her. As he kind of ends up looking up to him like a father figure, and to a degree, he does get to see her grow up. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, as I said, like the way that they kind of interwove these these characters, and I guess that's another one where it's like it, it really kind of hams in the the fact that it's a real path to redemption. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to do the right thing after all of the bad things he's done. Is he also the one of the only characters who, like, one of the only mains who starts off that way as well? What do you mean? I mean, like, Cloud is not really... I mean, he's not necessarily a good person. He's like a... um, 
he just does everything for money, but it's not necessarily like it's like he's doing any, he's done anything like super wrong. Like he's just very selfish. And then. Well, Cloud, like, I mean, he doesn't even know what he's doing, does he? He thinks he's Zack. Exactly. (laughs) So it's not, it's not like he's bad. Uh, Zidane isn't really bad. Um, He's just mischievous. He's just mischievous. Yeah, Cecil, he actually went out and killed people who were not even resisting him. In the very beginning of the game. And if we think about, like, I mean, in the other Final Fantasies, Final Fantasy III, uh, Lunith, like, not really that big a deal. Um, Final Fantasy VI, well, I guess you can kind of say that... Yeah, so so basically that's what I'm saying. Cecil was the first one to have, like, a senior military rank. And then Terra afterwards, Cloud, Squall is in the military. Yeah. Obviously, again, he's still a student at the beginning. But like, but... none of them are really that. None of them are really bad. I mean, Terra, she is. She is on the bad side when she starts off, but that's only because she's being possessed. But like, yeah, she's being used. Whereas, yeah, she's being used. Whereas Cecil but there's, wasn't there's being not used. really any character who has had that sort of transition, like starting off. No, it's what I think makes him quite a. He's really interesting. Yeah. Really fascinating. So that's uh, that's that's my character. That's your character, and yeah, he's he's one of the only one, one of the few who actually changes jobs midway through. So yeah, please be in the comments or wherever. Let us know your favorite characters and whether you agree with our selections. And if you don't, why? <laughs> we will judge you now. Yeah, yeah. As long as you so say, yeah, no, I... you know, in place of mine, you have Ramza, Titus, or let's see, Caius. Then we're good. Then we're good. <laughs> Caius yeah, is a only bad from guy. You can't have him. How, how can you not feel for Caius? Did you not play to the end of thirteen two when he's going on his little monologue about how everything just gets ripped away from him? He had to see all the little girls die. How can you not feel for Caius? I, I prefer Noel. No, sorry. He lost one girl. Caius lost centuries worth worth of girls. Okay, so <laughs> no comparison there. Sorry. Yeah, but no, but but he left Noel by himself. Noel was the last person alive, and just let he just left him. Bless like, him. what do you do? <laughs> I'm literally the only person left on the world. All right, I'll just twiddle my thumbs. Um, <laughs> thanks, guys. My two best friends have just abandoned me. It's a rent for another day, Daryl. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much wrapped up this episode. Um, we have a an unorthodox track in the music segment for me, especially because I'm not too much of a fan of the music from Final Fantasy XII, but I have picked a track from Final Fantasy XII. It's an arrangement of the Salica Wood, and it's done by Rebecca Tripp. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, The next episode is scheduled for the 27th of October. Uh, Be sure to subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on iTunes so you get all of the updates. Uh, Obviously, we post it out on the different sites as well. But if you're on iTunes, just search for Final Fantasy and we are the number one podcast. Be sure to check out the website too, FinalFantasyUnion.com, as well as YouTube, which is forward slash FFUnionVids. We're doing a lot more stuff on YouTube now. So every Sunday... At 5 p.m. GMT. Well, I don't know what time that is for you, Jared. You're American, right? Are you five hours behind or six hours yeah, behind? Yeah, five hours right? behind. So maybe about 12 or 1. Yeah, probably like early, well, late morning. Yeah. Basically, late morning in America. Yeah, pretty much. Afternoon. What? Afternoon. Oh, well, yeah. uh, depending on where you're from, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're on the the uh, West Coast, it's going to be about like 10, Yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, every single Sunday at that time. Um, if you go to our channel there's an event scheduled it'll localize to your time but essentially we're going to be doing a chat where we'll pick a discussion topic and then it's basically a free fall after that so um, the first one we did we didn't really know how it was going to work but essentially what we did was we picked a main topic and then people just asked us questions and we ran through them and we helped we helped some people we we just talked about stuff yeah it's basically we want to do it so it's just a chat about Final Fantasy um, and you guys can hear our opinions about things and yeah. And we can hear your opinion. Exactly. As I mentioned before, also, if you want to support the show, please go to patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And uh, yeah, you get access to some cool stuff if you do that. But until next time, it's time for you guys to say goodbye. Bye, Bye everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FarmerFansUnion.com production. <laughs>